got your Bibles, if you would go to uh, Judges chapter 6 this morning. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to clarify that Eleanor is not over at the house by herself. I know you may have been thinking, well, her parents are here and her grandparents are here. Her other set of grandparents are also here, and they're at the house with her this morning. They were passing through town. They were up visiting my grandparents, helping them with a project at their home. And uh, they, uh, they were swinging back through on their way, and they said, we want to stop and see the little girl. And, and they said, we'll sit here and we'll watch her. So that way, uh, Mackenzie was able to come over, and the grand, both grandparents on the other side could be here with us today as well. Uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16, if you got it, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet for the reading of God's word this morning. This is what it said. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abizurite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Has anybody ever asked that question before? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Because my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as if they were one man. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in your word. God, I ask that you would just add your anointing to the preaching today. Open our ears and our hearts to hear and receive from you today. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. In this scripture, we come to uh, this this section here, and there's some stuff going on before it. The Israelites disobeyed God. Go figure. It's kind of the 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 major headline of the Old Testament. It's God people walking in disobedience and getting themselves into trouble. But they find themselves in Midianite captivity, and uh, the the Midianites every time. There's a reason why Gideon's in hiding and why he's beating out wheat in the wine press and hiding. It's because the Midianites would consistently come down every time the Israelite people would plant crops, would plant fields, and, and, and every time they would start to grow, the Midianites would come in, settle there with all their cattle and everything, and they would, the Bible says, like locusts, devour everything, leaving nothing for God's people to eat. This has driven God's people away into hiding. The Bible says that they made caves and they've made hiding places in the mountains because they were so scared of this and they were trying to do everything they could to scrape by and to fight for the little bit that they could get. And Gideon had to hide in the wine press with his wheat because if they would have seen the chafe blowing in the wind, the Midianites would have came and taken that from him too. 
and I, I, God spoke to me in this, and I really wasn't, when I had originally started studying for this week, wasn't really too focused on that part of the story, but God spoke to me, and, and he said, there's a, reason, uh, there, there's a reason for this to be covered Sunday, and he goes, I want my people to understand that the enemy is after the harvest. He's trying to prevent us from reaping the harvest. If you don't understand biblical principles and metaphors and symbolism, the harvest represents uh, first the salvation of God's people, but also everything that God has for us in our life. There is a harvest for us to reap within our life. There are things that God has for us to grow in our life. And there is an enemy that does everything he, in his power to prevent that from happening. He does not want you to reap the harvest. He does not want you to experience the crop. And so he will do everything in his power to, to destroy your moral morale, to destroy your will to continue on. He will do everything in his power to stop it. Uh, the, the Midianites, the, I, I'm sure their intention was to starve them out, but not just starve them out, totally crush their will to live because the, the more they planted, the more they got taken from them. And at some point, you would think the Israelite people would sit to there and think to themselves, why do we even bother doing this? Every time we try to do the right thing, every time we try to do something good for God, every time we try to, to just plant this field, to work this crop, something bad happens. Something, we, we lose it. The enemy comes in and wipes it all out, and, and all we're left with is whatever scraps we could salvage before they came in. And I need some people to understand today that, that this enemy is coming in, trying to take this harvest from you, but not just that, totally destroy your will to even plant in the field and work the field to begin with. See, he will come against us with every little thing possible. Could the Midianites come in there and just slaughtered all the people and wiped them out? There's a good chance of that. But the reality of it is, is they were seeking more than just taking their lives. They were trying to crush their spirits. There's a reason they went into hiding. These hiding places were, were to s store away their food, to save what they could save. But I can imagine at some point there were some that decided, oh, what's the point of doing this? Every time we try to make progress, every try time we try to move in the right direction and make some things happen and do the right things, it just gets wiped out every time. Has anybody ever felt like that before? That every time you try to do the right things, you may be doing the right things. And it's not even just trying to do the right things. But every time you turn around, there is something else in the way. There is something else, uh, another problem, another issue to deal with. We've been living it the past couple weeks ourselves. It seems like every time we turn around, there's something new to deal with, especially this week. It rained. We flooded again just after we finished redoing the downstairs of the house. Thankfully, we didn't lose anything and anything was damaged. Then we turn around and our baby gets sick and she's dealing with pneumonia over at the house. It's real mild. God's taking care of her. She's perfectly fine. Don't worry about her too much, but please pray for her. 
Then this morning, I'm getting ready, and Mackenzie goes, uh, Brandon, we have water again. So I go downstairs, and there's plumbing that goes into the upstairs from the downstairs, and there's a pipe that has come loose, and there is water now coming out. It seems like every time we turn around, there's something else going on, and it just it's these nagging things. It's not big problems. It's a lot of little problems coming together. Sometimes you will deal with some big problems, but the reality of it is, is the enemy, the reality of it is, is when we face a big problem, it's easier to face the big problems than it is a series of little problems. I would much rather have to fight one big battle and win than to consistently have to fight little battles. There is something that military people know about called battle fatigue. Just a consistent fight over and over, even if you're winning. It's just the nature of having to fight constantly. If they can go in, they can do one big battle and be done. Even if it's hard, they, they, can, they can be okay. But the consistent, nonstop fighting over a long period of time will wear a soldier down. And it is the same type of fight we have to deal with today. That there are times when it just seems like one thing after the other. And in the grand scheme of things, none of them are super major things, although they may be for some people. But it seems like there's mostly just little tiny things. It's death by a thousand cuts. Has anybody ever felt like this before? Just one thing after the other. And it, ain't, it isn't even always these big, bad, terrible things like I said. Sometimes it's just little things that most people would look at and be like, it's just, why are you worried about that? That's such a petty thing to worry about. But the reality of it is, is they didn't see the thousand other little petty things you've been dealing with. And it has taken its toll. And so Gideon, like the rest, have gone into hiding because they've been worn down and they're worn out. But there is one thing that I saw in this that brought some hope to me, other than the following part of the story. It's that there were still some people that kept planting. Even though it was coming in and they were destroying. The reason I know that is because the Bible says the Midianites would always come in and wipe out the crop. In order for them to wipe out the crop, Excuse me. There has to be a crop to wipe out. So that lets me know that there are at least a few people in this area, in this nation of people, that have said no matter how many times we get hit, we're going to keep getting back up. We are going to continue to sow. We are going to continue to work the field because at some point, Something has to give. It reminds me of what Paul said in Galatians. He says, Do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. So wherever you may be at today, don't stop moving forward. Don't stop working the field. Because there is a due season A due season means there is a guaranteed season coming where the struggle will end and there will be a harvest to reap in your life. And what it takes to get there 
is for a spirit and mind of Gideon to be raised up in your life. And I found this all to be true, not just in individual lives, but in the nation we live in and the, the time we live in, the world we live in, the attacks against God's people within the church where they've worn down so many believers. They've worn down so many churches and congregations that have now folded to the demands of the world and are, and are giving in to what the world says and, and does. And they just fold now because they're tired of fighting the battle and they're scared. And I want you to know today that if you are afraid, you are in good company. Because Gideon, like you may be today, was also afraid. You see, before Gideon could go on and fight the Midianites, he had another assignment he had to deal with first. He had another assignment, and he was getting called out to go fight the Midianites, and he was making all kinds of excuses about it. He says, well, I'm the least of these. I'm, I'm, I'm not, my family's the weakest of clans, and I'm the weakest in my family. And, and making all kinds of excuses. Isn't it funny how, like, when God's asking us to do something, we always come up with excuses of why we can't? Because for some reason, we think we're safer if we do nothing. We think we're better off if we just accept the way things are and live that way. Isn't it funny that how every time God calls us out to step outside of our comfort zone, we're like, well, I'm the weakest. I can't do this. And it even says in the scripture that the angel of the Lord told him, before he even said he was the weakest, he said, go in this might of yours. So you don't, you don't need to be the strongest of the clan. You just need to be obedient to what I'm telling you to do. And so this battle that Gideon has to fight before he fights the Midianites is this battle within himself. He's dealing with a lot of fear moving forward in this grand battle of life. There's an enemy to be defeated, but there is some stuff he's got to deal with within himself first. And so he steps into this next moment that, we will, that you can read about in Judges 6, 25 through 27. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But the angel of the Lord tells tells. Uh, tells Gideon to go out to the stronghold, which is an area that his family owns on their property, where it was be kind of like a center thing, a center uh, vantage point for them, where they would put their idol Baal and Asherah up there, and that's what would be in the stronghold of their family. Hope you see where this is going. You see, the problem that the Israelites faced or we're dealing with to begin with that got them into this point was their idol worship. And Gideon had a calling that before he could deal with the, the external enemy, he had to deal with the internal enemy. In other words, there is a root of the problem where the Midianites were just the fruit of the problem. There was some stuff going on within Gideon's family, within his household that needed to be dealt with first before God could defeat the external enemy and let them have a harvest again. And the reality of it is, is he was called to go into the stronghold and to establish a new stronghold. And the angel of the Lord told him, he said, go tear down Baal, cut down Asherah, and I need you to establish an altar for God. And in fact, use the wood that was 
used for the idol of Asherah after you cut it up, and I want you to use that as wood to burn to worship me. And so he goes and he gets ready to do this, but the Bible says in verse 27, so that Gideon took 10 of his servants as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Gideon had this hiding mentality in him still. And you can't defeat the enemy in hiding. There is a boldness that is required for you to have victory. And so this battle, yes, he was tearing down an idol, but really the battle was Gideon versus his fear. But I love that even though he was afraid, he still obeyed. He still went out, he did it in his own little weak way, in hiding still, but he still obeyed. And, and, and we see, if you continue on in the story, that he cut it down the next morning. His, his family and the men of the town came against him and said, who did such a thing? And Gideon says, well, if Baal is such a strong God, if he is so powerful, why do you need to fight for him? Let him speak for himself. Let him fight for himself, knowing good and well that there was no life in it. That was the start of the boldness that was coming up out of Gideon, that he was able to say, yeah, I did it, but you don't need to respond on his behalf. If he's really God like you say he is, let him speak for himself and give justice himself. And guess what happened? Nothing. Because there was no power in those idols. And so Gideon now in this moment is realizing something, that when I am obedient to God, even when I am afraid, there is some great and mighty things that God will do. And I want to encourage some people who might be afraid in this season of life. You don't know what's coming next. You don't understand why everything's happening. You're afraid of the results of this next season. There are so many things to be afraid of for some people that are stepping into a new season of life and are fighting some battles. I want to encourage you today to do it afraid. You might be scared, but do it anyway. Be obedient to what God is leading you into. Fight according to how he tells you to fight. You might be scared, but I've learned that it is in our greatest battles with fear that God gives us the greatest growth in our faith. We always have this mentality that uh, we, we say, well, the Bible says do not fear, and we shouldn't be afraid. And it'd be better if we weren't afraid, but the reality of it is we are afraid. And what I've come to find out is that when he says fear not, what he really is saying is don't let fear stop you. When you really get into studying what, what he's saying there, he's saying anytime you see fear not, it's not don't have any fear whatsoever. It's don't let fear stop you. Eventually, there is no fear. Eventually, you get to a point where you've seen enough and you've experienced enough that fear does no, not have a hold on you any longer. And it is because you've been through enough battles, you've fought enough fights, that faith has grown within you. And so he goes and he tears down these strongholds and establishes a stronghold of worship towards God. It matters who sits on the throne of the stronghold of your life. It matters so much. Because if God is in the stronghold of your life, you will fight using the weapons of God. But if it's Baal and Asherah, the gods of the world, then you've got to use the devices of the world. 
you've got to use carnal warfare. And that never works. But if God sits in the stronghold of your life, there is something special that comes with that. You see, we see now that uh, Gideon has experienced all of this, that he's torn down these strongholds, that he's realized that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper when I'm walking in obedience with God, that he will give me the strength that I need. The very next thing we see happen in this story is, guess what? The Midianites are getting ready to move in on them again. But this time, instead of going into hiding, Gideon stands strong and blows a trumpet. And he calls to all of his comrades, to all of the other clans and families, and brings them all together to get ready to fight a battle. He didn't run back to the wine press. He didn't run to the hills and let the Midianites have their way. He said, no, this time enough is enough, and we're going to fight for what God has given us. We're going to fight for what God has for us. And he blows this trumpet and makes a stand in this moment and calls to his brothers and sisters and neighbors and, and friends and brings them all together to create this army. And he did not do this in his own strength, in his own might. He did it and according to obedience to God, because the Bible says that when he got ready to blow this trumpet, the Bible says that Gideon was clothed in the Spirit of God. He was able to stand boldly because he had an encounter with God. He had this moment where God was empowering him and clothed him with a spirit of boldness and strength that he did not have before. You see, before you can really experience true victory in your life, you've got to have an encounter with God where he will clothe you with his strength and his boldness, and you will be able to walk through things and do things that you otherwise never would have been able to do. We need to have a true encounter with God. You see, and it's... it's wonderful to me to read this story and interesting to me to read this story and see how just how many times like in the little baby steps that God led Gideon into to get to this point and it's it's funny when you start to look at the name Gideon and what the name Gideon means the name Gideon means to cut down I love looking at names of people in the Bible because it often reveals something about their life Gideon's name means to cut down, and as we've seen so far, he's already stepped out, and he's already cut down the idol Baal and Asherah, and now he's also earned the nickname Jerubbaal, which means one who comes against Baal, or one who fights against Baal, and now he's got this new reputation of not one who hides, but he's one who cuts down, and he's one who's not willing to back down from the things of this world that come against God and his people. And so now he's got this boldness, he's got this mentality, and there is a spirit that is on him and in him that we need in our life. See, now he's cut down these idols, and God's ready for him to cut down the Midianites. And so he stands in boldness, and he blows this trumpet clothed in the Spirit of God, brings the military together, this army together, to get ready to fight 
against God's people. But there's something very interesting that happens that I think is very important for us, is that we see in this story God reduces the size of Gideon's army first. It's, he started out with 22,000 and ended up with 300. It wasn't like they just sent 300, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't like they just sent 300 people home. They sent everybody home except for 300. And God says, it's because I don't want you to stand here thinking that you are so mighty. What I want us to understand today, that victory begins with humility. You won't see victory if you're trying to fight it in your own pride and your own strength. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want victory in your life, you've got to understand and realize and confess that you don't have it all figured out. That you and your own wisdom left to your own devices will fail. But when you get to a point, there, there are humbling moments in life just in general. Usually it's when we're fighting one of these battles. That we realize we aren't as good, we aren't as strong, we aren't as, as, as great as we think we are. And that's a good thing. Because as long as you think you're great, you're going to put yourself in charge. But when you realize that you're not so great, you're going to put God in charge. He's going to lead the army. He's going to lead the fight. And the problem is, is too many of us are trying to fight it in our own will and our own way. And all we find is more frustration, more problems. And then we really, if we want to be honest, start to realize that we are our own problem more often than not. We dig a bigger hole for ourselves, And so he reduces this army down to 300. And then I also love this, that they don't go to battle with swords and spears and shields. They didn't have any weapons like that. They had a torch, a jar, and a trumpet. I don't know about you, you might be able to do a little bit of fighting with a torch, but I don't know about you. You might be a good fighter and can fight somebody with a trumpet pretty good that has swords and spears and all these bows and arrows and all these other weaponry. You might be able to do something, but the reality of it is when you only got 300 of them against thousands, a trumpet isn't all that valuable to a soldier. But the problem, or the reality is, is we don't fight the, some battles with carnal weapons. Paul says the weapons of our war warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds. And the reality of it is, is there, there's some deep stuff with the torch and the jar and, and the trumpet that I just don't have time to get into all the way today. But there are some key things we can understand. First and foremost, the breaking, they, they surround the valley where the Midianites are, and they, they get all around it, and they have their torches covered up with the jar. And, and they, they have the trumpet in one hand, the torch in the jar in the other. And Gideon says, on my signal, you're going to break the jar, let the fire show, and blow the trumpet. 
and God's going to give us the victory. So they get around this valley. The Midianites are down there. And actually, it's, it's funny. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think it's important for us to understand today. I'm, I'm going to break off my notes here for just a moment and, and tell you about this part of the story. There is a moment where Gideon is yet again still afraid of the fight and a little nervous about it all. And uh, uh, God says, why don't you go check out what they're talking about down there in that valley? Send somebody in. Let's, let's see what's going on down here. And they're talking in a way that they are fearful of the Israelites. They are fearful of what God's getting ready to do through Gideon and him. They, one person said they had a dream where like a little loaf of bread came rolling down in there and destroyed everything. They were nervous. Can I tell you today that the devil is nervous about you? He understands that if you ever figure out how to fight these battles, that he does not stand a chance. That's why he brings such heavy forces against you, because he wants you to believe that you are too weak. He wants you to believe that you don't have what it takes. He wants you to believe that you are going to lose. But the reality of it is, is he is he is sitting in hell, shaking in his boots, nervous about what God can do for you and what God wants to do in your life, and what God has for your life. He's nervous about it. And so they surround it, and, and the Bible says they break the jars on Gideon's signal. The first thing you got to understand is that was a representation of them coming out of hiding and standing boldly before the enemy. For so long, they had been in hiding, and now they were releasing something. The next thing you need to understand is that fire represents a couple of things. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that was being contained. It also represents the light of truth in God's Word. And you need to understand today that if those are not the forefront of your battle, then you are not going to have a good time in battle. You need to be guided by the light of God's Word. The psalmist said, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You don't know where to go, I promise you, without the word of God. If you do not have that leading you into battle, if you do not have that as the forefront, if you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are not going to have a good time in battle. Then they blow a trumpet. The trumpet represents boldness, but it also represents worship and praise. I find it so interesting that throughout Scripture we see different instances where they send the worshipers first. Often it was the tribe of Judah they would send first because Judah means praise. They would send worshipers first into battle because there is something about worship that just disrupts everything that the enemy has. There's science actually, that talks about how the, the sound waves interact with each other and, and there are shouts and how they disrupt the atmosphere and it actually changes the atmosphere around you. And there is something powerful about our praise and our worship. Now, praise and worship isn't necessarily all about just having victory all the time, but there are moments when you need a shout of victory in your life. There are moments where you need to lift up a hallelujah, not just because you're grateful and worshiping to God, but you need to let the enemy know who sits in the stronghold of your life. And you need to let him know where your strength lies. You see, worship is a powerful, powerful thing, and so many of us are so worried about what somebody else might think that we neglect to use that weapon. 
You see, you, while we may think a trumpet, really, that's what you're taking into battle, we think that will be such an insignificant thing, but when we see what happens next, when they break the jars, when, when the fire is shown on the torches and they blow the trumpets, the Midianites are instantly terrified and confused. They are so confused that they actually start killing each other. The, the enemy was so messed up by the stand of boldness and this declaration because when they shouted, they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And they stood strong and they stood their ground and they surrounded them in this valley and they let out a shout, they let out a trumpet sound and in this moment the enemy was so confused by what was going on they began to kill each other. They didn't need a sword for the battle. They didn't need shields. Because God had already sorted out the victory ahead of them. And sometimes we need to stop trying to wield a sword and just wield a praise. Sometimes we need to stop wielding our own wisdom and light up a torch of truth of God's word and wield that. Sometimes we got to stop trying to hide everything and just stay quiet and in secret and break the jar and just let the Holy Spirit have his way. If we're really truly going to have some victory, we got to really understand and wrap our minds around spiritual warfare and the reality that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God. And I think sometimes we get too reliant on our own devices. We get so hung up on, well, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. But nothing drives the enemy more insane than somebody who can stand like Gideon stood. And when he comes against you, you blow a trumpet and say, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you've got. That stands like Gideon, and that although at one point Gideon was afraid, he still obeyed what God was telling him, and he stood and said, listen, I'm so tired of you harassing my, our people and our families, and I'm tired of you destroying our crops and our harvests, and I'm coming against you now in boldness to say enough is enough. And there comes a point in your life where you have to take a stand, look the devil in the face and say, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you've got. And you've got to blow the trumpet and rally the troops. And what I mean by that is sometimes you've got to really let people fight alongside you. You've got to let some people help you sometimes. And you've got to understand that, you, for one, you aren't alone in this fight. And I think Gideon found that out. At first, he was wondering, how could I save Israel by myself? I, my family's the weakest. I'm the weakest in the family. But the, the whole time, God never had any intention of him fighting by himself. He said, I just want you to go in the strength that you have, and when the time's right, I'll bring the people to you. And then God reduced the people because it's not about how many. It's about having the right people. And through this, Gideon stole boldly, stood boldly and obeyed what God was telling him to do and found victory for the people of God. 
You need to understand today, first and foremost, as I get ready to close this morning, that the enemy is after your harvest. The reason you're fighting the battles you're fighting is because God's trying to produce something. He's called you to produce something, and the enemy doesn't want it to show up. He's nervous about it. He doesn't want you to have the strength. He doesn't want, he's trying to demoralize you and break you down. He wants you to stop coming to church. He wants you to stop praying. He wants you to stop worshiping. He wants you to stay out of the word. And that's what he wants, that he's going to take everything he has and throw it at you to prevent you from having that in your life. The next thing you really need to understand is that you might be scared, but you need to be obedient anyway. Because it is even in that fight of fear, God will build your faith. And when we stand boldly and we are willing to have the spirit that Gideon had in him, God will clothe us with his strength and his boldness, and you don't need to worry about it. God will bring the right things along the way for you when you fight this battle. He'll bring you the right people. He'll tell you what weapons to use. He will position you where you need to be positioned for victory. And when the time is right, the victory will come. Like I mentioned earlier, Galatians tells us, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. Do not stop fighting to see God move in your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?